Minds on Muscle community, welcome to the Fitness Pro Mentors interview series. If you want to hear some amazing interviews from amazing fitness professionals all over the world, please join our Fitness Pro Mentors private Facebook group. But today, let's make it rain. Hey everyone, this is Brandon for Fitness Pro Mentors and we're here doing an exercise tight interview and Johnny actually asked me to stop before I started and I jumped in anyway. So we are here, we are rolling everyone. We're here with a good friend and someone I really look up to, Mr. Johnny Cook of PhD in Bioacademics. Johnny, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Brandon. Thanks for having me. I got to say, you've had some really smart people on here who I admire a lot. So I'm I'm, pre I'm pretty honored to have made the list and I'll I'll try to not do any disservice to your uh, podcast. What we thought lowering the level to you would be, no, no, no. Honestly, I'm super excited to have you. I mean, like I said, it's like some of the marketing before. I, I really have a lot of respect for you. And and I mean, I know we joke around a lot and I've known you like familiar and also professionally, but you have a ton of accolades. You have a ton of information. You've been studying, learning for your entire life. And ultimately, you've taken all of this amazing academic information to turn it into an incredible business, incredible education process, but ultimately so you can dispense exercise professionally in the best way possible. So I'm really intrigued by you, and I'm really excited to talk to you more about this because in my opinion, a lot of people are talking about things they're proud of. I'm a neuromuscular, occupational, yeah. whatever. And you don't use any of those titles and you're an exercise person, but you have all that actually, <laughs> unlike other people. Well, you know, I think, um, interestingly enough, I feel like you have to be careful not to sort of pigeonhole yourself into one thing. And we get overly concerned with, with like, I'm a this or I'm a that. Um, you've already sort of limited the, the scope in which you can work. Um, I kind of came by that realization um, in some ways, just by my background, you know, I started off as an exercise uh, degree, right? My first degree was in um, kinesiology nice. and I got a degree in occupational therapy. Then I went back to exercise physiology. So I've kind of professionally been through um, all of those different um, arenas kind of in, uh, in a, in a, a singular way and it took a while for me to realize that um the truth kind of lies between all those different things and through some painful ways i came to realize that um you know if i overly state what i am or if i get into the nuance too much in regards to the services that, that i can offer or into the comprehensive benefits of exercise i limit who i can work with um and that doesn't serve business all that well. Yeah, man. I mean, if you don't mind, I kind of talk about that a lot because it's it's such a big thing. But do you mind expanding on that? Like, is there an example you can think of someone you know or even yourself where you kind of went out on a limb to like have a strong presence, big title, accolades, and it stifled business growth? Well, I think that, you know, one thing that you have to be wary of is um, if you – if you align yourself too closely with a brand or a method or a specific style of training or a specific culture um, that isn't your own brand, you, you immediately have a lot of people thinking that's not for me or I don't need that, I need something different um, or that doesn't seem to match my culture or whatever it is. So, you know, when we chose our tagline train smart seems pretty generic, right? But Michelle and I chose that very meticulously because one thing that we learned 
and that I learned throughout my wavy different path. I'm a therapist. I'm, I'm a trainer. I'm an educator. Right. Was that you never know where your education is going to lead you if you are really challenging your biases and if you're really, um, you know, academically thirsty to learn different things or if you find holes in the things that you're currently doing or if just your interests change. Right. So train smart was um, was uh, was a tagline that we thought can apply to anything, any method we want to do. Um, any lens we put on things, any type of person we want to work with, um, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to always do it in the most intelligent way that we can, no matter what that is. So that's why we chose that, um, to not get too locked into being a certain thing, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I know I can see it in your marketing. And I went through the same, ch the same challenge that when you and I, so you and I and Michelle and a few others went through a lot of the RTS mastery stuff concurrently, which was how I met you and Michelle, and I'm really right. grateful for that right. time. But when myself and Michelle started actually teaching for RTS, I don't know, if I saw Michelle do this a little bit, all of my social media stuff, it was so blurry that I was posting stuff about, hey, I'm teaching stuff over here, look how cool this is, kind of marketing to trainers terribly, but just marketing to trainers. And then I would use the same website platform to market to our clients. And, you know, this idea of like, oh, if I market to everyone, I'll get no one. Well, I thought, well, I'll be okay. I'm marketing to two people, but it was still confusing. It still limited our business growth. Um, I know that you have really two different companies, right? You have your bioacademics company where you do educational stuff for personal trainers and PHP. Could you speak mm -hmm. to that evolution of, you know, we are PHP and you got a little bit of everything and how you've segregated those? Well, the bioacademics is something that has been kind of has had a lot of like starts and stops and starts and stops. And it's been an evolution in and of itself because we didn't know a lot about the education world. Right. Um, and what people wanted to consume. And we, you know, really early on, it was kind of like supplemental and supportive to other things people might have been learning but then we started to painfully realize, well, that's just like a study group and it's not any original content, right? So then, um, you know, M Michelle and I sort of both began this journey from where we got in our own personal education, going through RTS, MAT, all those things. And I found myself getting too far away, as did Michelle, from our true roots, which is formal education. Right. And and looking at people don't want a massive information dump. People might not want to be um, given a new thing to become or a new way to, to, to think. They might just want either one, some basic information that they might have missed if they didn't go through formal education. And then also how to practically apply that. So if you look at what, where we're going with bioacademics now, some of it is like, hey, if you need a refresher or if you, if you, did, if you didn't get a degree in exercise physiology, or, um, here's some things that are really important to learn if you want to understand all the systems at play and how adaptations happen. So we try to boil that down to something palatable for people who don't have that background. Now that you've got that, all right, well, what can you do with it? You know, and we also try to stay away from here's what you do with it. Here's what you can do with it. And here's ways to think about things. Right. Um, again, thinking about that whole freedom thing. I, I listened to your um, last podcast with with 
McMillan, you guys touched on a topic which is very near and dear to me, which is the freedom to do things, right? And the more that you value depth of your knowledge, disproportionate to the width of your knowledge, you lose that freedom, right? You can know all there is to know about one topic. That's all you're doing. There are so many other systems that you're not affecting, at least not with any sense of purpose. Or there's a client who may have a need that that, that, that doesn't match your narrow but super deep skill set or you know ideology, right? So we've really tried to um, think about width mattering as much as depth. And I think that having a partner like Michelle, that's been amazing because her and I overlap in so many areas, but her and I, we also um, give each other the freedom to run and we trust each other on certain areas of the expertise, right? Like, um, you know, I kind of want to be um, a jack of all trades and a master of none w- within relative terms, right? But, you know, I know enough about topic A to be really safe and to affect the things that I want to affect. But on that outlier client, on the outlier data, when I get stuck or run into a problem, I know people like yourself or Michelle who might focus in that area a little deeper than I do that I can go to. So our community becomes a a resource, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of us all trying to either glad hand each other about being amazing at the same things um, or competing with each other, you know, everyone has their areas of of uh, of skill and of what you know interests them and where their strengths are. And I think that playing to those matters while still acknowledging and caring about the width of the things that might not interest you as, as much, but also having a community that that you can lean on. Man, I love that. And I want to. You said something with the width thing. I have a question I want to ask. But honestly, I sure. mean, what you just said, I, I mean, I'm fired up about that. And honestly, because that is one of the reasons why I started this whole interview series thing is that you said something at the beginning, there's all these different education programs that we've, we've put so much weight into with a lot of our marketing and saying, well, I'm a, I'm a something or other specialist. And that's great that you have that education. But like you said, it kind of limited you and created this very narrow focus that you work with this very specific person who has very specific needs. And when you have to educate people on that, it gets confusing really, really quick. And it I does. wanted to try to, like you said, you have expertise with specific things that I know Michelle doesn't, and I believe I do, vice versa. And we can all kind of work together to help everybody. I love these interviews, and I'm so stoked to have you on all these other people because I Thank want you. this whole thing to be a bannerless conversation of, sure, you have PHP, and I call this FPM, and we have Strata. That doesn't matter. We're all using exercise in some various capacity to help people, and we should all be able to listen to Johnny Cook's story as to how he does it because even if they don't like you because you're a jerk, you have something super valuable that you could actually help people no matter what. There's something you can take away from that. So, anyway, Yeah, as long as, long as, as, long as they're Americans. I'm, I'm not sure about helping the Canadians, but – 11 minutes. I was wondering how long it was going to take for you to chirp me for being Canadian. 11 minutes. I got my maple syrup over here, so I'll pull that. I love, I love my northern friends deeply. <laughs> um, you know, so imagine how interesting it might be for like a roundtable discussion that people can sit, sit in on of all the guests that you've had on or a certain panel, right? It reminds me um, uh, someone uh, sort of mentor of mine. Um, my advisor in my graduate work 
Uh, I was very going through that that master's degree I went through a few years a few years back. I was very I had left my my formal education um, lens and gotten so into a couple other certifications I had done and um, that I sort of got deep and narrow. And I remember I was in his office and of course me being a little bit belligerent, I was arguing with him about, about something. He said to me, he said, if I took an exercise physiologist, right? A biomechanist, right? Um, a medical disease expert, a psychologist, right? And he might've even mentioned a couple other di disciplines. And I put them all in the same room, right? Um, they wouldn't, the, they would all agree that participation in exercise matters and exercise is the proper vehicle for all of them to affect their, their own things. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a, a psychologist who's looking at cognitive capabilities and what they need from, from exercise is completely different than what a biomechanist might look at. who's thinking about human performance or a physical therapist who wants to worry about shoulder flexion. Right. And none of them are wrong. They're all absolute experts in our field. So I got confused from that conversation forward. I'm like, why am I trying to make one thing be everything instead of realizing that, that everything does something well and nothing does everything well. Right. And we get caught into this, like, this is the way I'm like, maybe it's the way for that. But if you talk to someone who's worried about, um, you know, monosynaptic stretch reflex, they're not concerned with the amount of shoulder flexion you may or may not have if that's what they're trying to, you know, worry about with uh, uh, with an elderly client who has to consider falls, right? All these systems at play in every education course I've ever been through focuses on one or two of them at most. And that doesn't mean that they're wrong about those one or two things. The problem is that's where they begin to close off the rest of the world. And now, and now you've got a professional problem, both as a practitioner or a trainer um, or a therapist, whatever you are, but particularly as a business owner, right? I this notion that somehow not everyone out there is, for me, I find to probably not be the smartest business model be because knowing the comprehensive benefits of exercise, knowing that the person comes there for a reason, that reason is valid no matter what it is, I'm responsible. I have I have an ethical obligation to use the full gamut of exercise to help them in whatever way they want or need. Yeah, honestly, I may the round table thing you said, I think is absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Like I would love to be able to get all these amazing people that I've talked to and that, you know, all in one room again and not have it be like, Hey, this person's instructing. It's like, Hey, we're all going to talk today about X, Y, and Z and openly right. because there's so many different strong personalities of people in exercise land. So many, so many, I'm sure it would turn into a gigantic argument, but it'd be really interesting to hear everyone's positions and how they go and navigate that conversation. You said like the education companies and how you find mm -hmm. that, you know, someone takes something and then all of a sudden it becomes an accidental narrow lens. You know, I don't know if it's the education company's fault. I think there's an accidental brand and community bias that pops up when something becomes so exciting, so cool and has such a strong direction that someone goes, I'm a Captain America certified personal trainer or whatever it is. And they get excited about it. But then, like you said, coming back to something you said a few minutes ago, the width it's our responsibility, in my opinion, to understand where that certification 
fits in with the other information and not so much to go, I have a wrench and a screwdriver, but how can I use these wrench and screwdrivers differently and together? And when do I know how to use them? So on that note, I want to ask you the width. You're talking okay. about bioacademics and you're teaching trainers how to be creative in a sense with that information. Mm -hmm. And I find that more so now and now there's so much more information saying it's X, Y, and Z equals this. How do you go about teaching width? What's been the most successful strategy when you're talking to all these trainers? Well, I think, you know, I wish I had a formal list written down, but if I had this shoot off the top of my mind, I'm, I'll, I would say that we looked at the basic exercise science um, disciplines or topics, right? That we thought were relevant to what people are doing through exercise, right? Like, um, uh, you know, motor learning phenomenon. Well, people are worried about skill, how good they are at an exercise, or how exercise might transfer to something better. Okay, well, motor learning, that's an important topic, right? Um, then we look at, well, people obviously have you know, orthopedic considerations, whether or not, not they can or can't exercise, what to work on, what we should maybe work around to get a different exercise benefits. Um, so I think that the whole, the orthopedic the exercise mechanics thing is pretty important. Okay, so let's 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 do some some you know topics on that, um, and we just kind of go through those 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 lists, right? Like so, exercise physiology is all about how the human body adapts. So everything, motor learning, adaptation, uh, 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 brain chemistry, everything is about an, an adaptation. Well, physiology is how things adapt and probably knowing that matters right um and i feel that i think that the reason we're taking that approach is i feel like in my experience a lot of educations or a lot of courses i've taken they love to gloss over important things that matter right let's say you're talking about like some uh maybe there's a certification or an education company that focuses on strength Okay, because I'm just, just picking one out of the air. Sure. And, um, you know, they start talking about uh, uh, maybe they skip over something important about like muscle fiber type or the energy systems associated with it. I'm like, well, you know, that's just an ATP thing. But what really matters is I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That really matters, though. Right. Because that's how you affect different change. So the way that I've got and the reason I've been such a nomad in my extras or in my, in my education world is. What I go deep on, I try to beat up, right? And I shake that tree so hard, the leaves that stick, I go, I'm on that. But where the leaves fall, I'm like, all right, well, that looks like that topic could fill in that, or this topic could fill in that. And then I go and I study that. So at this point in my career, I'm basically only studying things that I find really interesting. Cool, man. So how about this? What do you find really interesting right now? Uh, I mean, it changes all the time. Right now, I'm actually going back and doing a deep dive on all the Stuart McGill spine stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Why? He's, he's one of yours. Um, you know, it was <laughs> when I first, when I first was um, uh, getting into this whole, for personal reasons, exercise, rehab, I had both the degrees. I had a personal experience trying to participate in, in both. Stuart McGill was one of the first um, kind of people recommended to me when I was like, well, there's a whole world out there outside of my therapy school or my university that I was exposed to. And it's in a lot of his 
information on how he takes it from an architectural structural standpoint, I think is incredibly valid. And it's interesting to revisit. And it inspires me to look at my clients different. And is it perfect? No. Have I learned things that I might be able to debate certain points? Sure. But that's the point. Nothing is perfect, right? So, so if we don't, if we read something or, or an author or whatever, and and everything, or let's say that seventy-eight percent of what they say is supported by the weight of the evidence through scientific consensus, we go, well, that twelve percent, and then we throw the whole thing out. I find that not only reasonable but also um, detrimental to your learning experience. Right. So right now I'm going back and I'm reading all the Stuart McGill stuff. And there was things that I had forgotten. I'm like, God, that basic thing is so true. And through nuance, I totally kind of abandoned that. I mean, I think that just stands testimony to your wit thing where you take that information, you start exploring it more, you go deeper. You're like, hey, this is doesn't resonate with me based off of this information. But there's a lot of great stuff here. How can I make this whole thing fit? Right. Where does this fit into context with what I'm doing, or if I take 2% of this and 8% of that and put it together, right? That's why, you know, there's also this contrarian thing that we tried to, that we found ourselves trapped in early that we tried to get away from, right? We had a lot of philosophical talks. I feel, Michelle and I, I mean, the, the road to get where we are is, and we'll continue to be like this. Um, but similar to the like over identifying with brands other than yourself um i lost my train of, of thought you give me my what, what word was it just talking using? about philosophical discussions with you and michelle about directions yeah. and identities so to speak uh and then you mentioned something oh, about brands. right vegetarian so like we found ourselves having to like think that what made us seem smart or sound smart was always having the adjacent what if, right? That a lot of times was such outlier data that flew in the face of the weight of the evidence, right? Scientific model, look at the weight of the evidence, 99%, we know mechanism, it supports this data, blah, blah, blah. Ooh, but then we like to take, you know, in one, you know, one anecdotal example and say, but not always. So now let's build our whole identity on this outlier thing, which we we're like, why isn't this catching traction? Why isn't this working? Don't people care? I mean, what people really care about is if you can help them, right? We find ourselves trying to explain so deeply what we do with our people versus just being like, you know, establishing the relationship Here's my credentials. And over you know, two or three days a week, over a number of years, believe me, those people know that you know what you're doing, right? <laughs> and if you have to keep selling them, then, then you haven't established the relationship or given them the outcomes that they're, they're looking for, man, right? Yeah, I think we all get kind of stuck on the exciting features and benefits train of whatever it is that we're learning. And we start... I don't think you and I do this too often, but I, I have done this and I am confident that that's what you're saying is that if you learn something, like I was on the muscle imbalance train for a really long time and I would just talk about muscle imbalances, muscle imbalances, and I tried to create a problem out of it that I was solving and I would just say muscle imbalances all the time. But regardless, 
regardless of, of what a muscle imbalance is and all that stuff, in reality, it doesn't really matter what it is. What it matters is what is the meaning? How will it influence someone's life? How will you use exercise to influence whatever it is they're experiencing so they can get more out of their life and change their life? And I think, I don't know, did I, is that the same direction you're going or did I just go totally left? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, um, you know, what stands out to me, what you just said, is talking about creating problems, right? So there, we were doing almost doing this thing, and I guess I felt licensed in it early on because I am a therapist, so I come from the, the dual background. But what I began to observe is people having business come to them for exercise and then them being duped into therapy as though therapy is exercise. Mm -hmm. And it's not. And uh, I took a little bit of offense to that as a therapist, watching people, uh, the, the way that maybe a, a psychologist might be offended by a life coach, but ultimately the world doesn't revolve around me. So I don't really care. They can do whatever they want to do. I focus on my partner and our employees and my clients, right? But uh, when I observe it, I'm a little bit like, come on, man. Like, you know, the whole like wink, wink, but well, we're not doing therapy. If that happens, you know, I, I just, I find that disingenuous um, and, and, and troublesome, uh, particularly when they're flying under the, ex the exercise moniker and then they're doing something that uh, might be a part of an exercise program, but um, it being somehow considered exercise or not giving people the license to exercise, right? Like we, we stifle people uh, by giving them more fear than they may have walked in with, but what they can and can't do, the person walked in the, the uh, door. And also you got to consider in an evaluation process, and this is what we do, What's the most important thing, right? If, 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 if a 400 pound clinically obese client with hypertension and diabetes walks in um, and I start focusing on, you know, symmetry of shoulder flexion, when this guy really needs to participate in some other physiological uh, um, benefits, right? What am I doing him a disservice? I think the answer is yes. So we've tried to look at solve the problem in front of your face. And that takes being wide, right? And over a long enough time period, you've got time to get to everything. But that also takes acknowledging what everything is. So right? on that note, I have a question. I think I know right. a lot of trainers and I actually, you know, a ton of them too, that are trainers and have tried to take on the moniker of fixer slash therapist through their exercise process. I've seen a lot of that. I have not yeah. seen a lot of people like you, where you actually are clinically a therapist. You have all the ac education, the accolades mm -hmm. to do that. And it seems to me by never really watching you work more than a couple of times I've been in Chicago, you seem to be really working more on the fitness exercise side of things more so. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me on the outside view, you're going the opposite direction of what everyone's trying to do. Uh, so yes. Um, <laughs> now there, there is, and this gets into some long convoluted conversations about producing the research, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, there are, there is so much data out there that supports that in, in the absence of a quantifiable pathology, so you got a bone spur, 
you dislocated a joint, you got a, a fracture, a torn labrum, a detached muscle, right? These are actual pathologies. Um, but outside of that, there are there is so much data that supports that general strengthening over the course of six to 12 months done in a safe manner and appropriate dosage yields the, the same functional and client reported outcomes as some sort of, of, of a more, you know, exotic, sophisticated therapy intervention. And that, that, that is just there. So, you know, the poison is in the dosage. I might have a, you know, more of a rehab client come in, but my goal is to get them into general exercise as quickly as I can, which might even be day one, you know? Yeah. I think Someone, you walked in the door. I've already interviewed you and I know what you can do, what you can't do, what hurts. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm first of all, like Charlie said, I'm worried about what you can do because we got to get things going. And a lot of times, you know, challenging auxiliary systems and auxiliary segments um, and, and looking at the biopsychosocial model, bringing confidence to that person with their body can yield a ton of changes like that. So play with that. Again, as long as we are mitigating risk, right? And I do think that proper education around how to mitigate risk, right? Things like, you know, joint forces and what tempos can do and things like that um, matter deeply because if you can if you can learn how to mitigate risk, the world is your oyster to try anything you want because when the risk is gone, you're benefiting something, right? There's benefit to everything, right? And that could just be the person being like, my God, I can't, I was so fearful of this. And I, I can move my body, right? And then there's things about like, maybe it's tissue degradation. So you just, you know, leave their their calf alone and work their forearm. You know what I mean? Like, let's get people going there because we are trainers and exercise should be the end results for everyone in our industry as quickly as possible. And don't, we, I, my value system disagrees with cherry picking the benefits of exercise that are and aren't important. We can prioritize them based on the person in front of us, but they're all important. And I find it unethical not to share with them what the benefit, what the benefits are. Now, if a client says, I don't care about my heart health, I only want to focus on my strength. Okay. But, but acknowledge me right now that you're saying that you don't care about, about that. And by not doing things to directly affect it, we'll still get some auxiliary benefit, but you're okay with foregoing that. that that's an honest conversation. Now the cherry picking but, thing, uh, yeah, the cherry picking thing. I just want to clarify. Do you mean that like if someone's like all that they only do stretching style exercise or resistance exercise, but no anaerobic stuff? Is that sure? Sure. Sure. Okay. It could be anaerobic, aerobic, or it could be like goal based, right? Where we only care about the, you know, the nuance of, you know, you can produce three more pounds on the right side than the left side. Well, all right. Does that have a, if there, if that doesn't, if that hasn't led to, or is a result of a quantifiable pathology, then work that over time and exercise is all about long-term adaptations. Short-term adaptation is a therapy thing. And even that 
is just to provide a window of opportunity to begin to participate in long-term adaptation, right? So the short, the short-term stuff is just, it's, I find it smoke and mirrors. See, Johnny, you're such a jerk to me all the time. I always forget how smart you are. You got so much well, amazing information and honestly, and perspective. And I'm really, I'm really excited. Actually, this is one of my favorite conversations I've had on this channel because I think this is what you're sharing is really great information that people need to hear. Yeah. I, I'm excited about it. Um, now, very quickly, if anyone's listening to this and they have not caught wind, Johnny has a partner that we have interviewed in the past, Michelle Amore. Uh, please check that out. Lots of amazing stuff. But I want to come back to what you were just saying there, Johnny. On that note, with all that information, you are the owner-operator of Precision Human Performance with Michelle. And I would yeah. love to know, you guys have been doing this for 10 plus years, I believe. How has your philosophy and academic worldview, so to speak, influenced how you educate your trainers? So, you know, there is a lot that Michelle and I agree on in regards to educate our trainers because we have kind of grown up together through the industry. Um, and I think it takes a good partnership to come to some agreements on what that looks like, right? Like I know when to give way to Michelle, because she may be better at something than I am or have uh, a greater desire to do it. I think she'll give way to me on, you know, on the other things um, that maybe I have a strength in. But I think that it starts with the partnership before you can even get to what that looks like. Right. Um, and I think the most important thing for me with that is I've had a partner for 10 years who constantly inspires me and who if I get lazy, I won't keep up with. And I think that that's the important thing, right? Now, she may say I'm tired of dragging him along, but uh, um, it's, it's, it's been a dance that we have figured out through trial and error and through hard conversations. Um, but ultimately there's been um, love and respect there. And I think that those are the things that matter the most. If those are intact, then you're gonna listen to each other even when you disagree. Um, and I think that that, that 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 relationship has allowed us to figure out how to educate trainers. And I think also, too, getting back to some use that you said earlier, when the rubber really began to hit the road for us with building staff was when we stopped looking for only hiring people who were as narrow and deep as we were. And we went wide, you know. Everything has to be a long-term commitment, right? We don't, we don't have to change who a trainer is day one or make sure there's someone before they come in. If they have some of the attributes and the thirst for knowledge that, that we're looking for, then great. We can mentor you as long as that takes. And if we, we teach you off the bat things how to – mitigate risk great now you can do stuff and even if that's not exactly what i would do it's safe and safe is the number one thing like i said there's benefit to everything if people are safe and do an exercise they're benefiting something whether the person applying it has this specific you know microscope on it that that we would like or that we might we have plenty of time to get them, them, them there right and ultimately you know we're into community service and and if we're helping more people right? Then we're doing our job. I think you guys building out that community connection between PHP 
and your local area, I think it's one of the most brilliant things. You and Michelle partners for a long time. Anytime mm-hmm. I've talked to, I mean, I have a lot of clients as you do that are business owner, or entrepreneurial type. And 99% of the time when I hear of a partnership where both people are active in the business working together, I hear of problems, big problems, big challenges, one person doing more work than the other, fights, strife, resentment, and then big money split ups at the end. You're one of the few partnerships that I know who have tried and true really worked through, it seems like, to evolve PHP to now your new location, which is ridiculously beautiful and amazing. What would you say? I mean, you said a few things there. I mean, disagreements that you guys have had, agreements that you have had. What's really worked for you two together to allow PHP to kind of like blossom, so to speak, into what it's become? Well, I can only speak on my behalf in regards to, to, to that. But I can tell you that from my perspective, um, I don't allow any space to exist between uh, my commitment to my company and my commitment to my partner, right? So I'm committed to her as much as I'm committed to PHP because to me they are um, synonymous. So um, if there is strife, if there's a problem, I'm as committed to fixing that with, with her as I am to making sure that my business survives. I don't parcel them out. So I value the relationship deeply. And I know for a fact, PHP does not work without her, right? I know for a fact, PHP does not work without me, right? Lennon and McCartney sucked without the Beatles, right? So I'm always like, we're the Beatles, we're the Beatles. You know, and I think that that's the thing, right? Right. Like, like to me, quitting on her is no more of an option than quitting on my company or quitting on my clients. So when we hit a shitstorm, I think we have a common goal of getting to the other side of it, not like digging our heels in, right? Well, you're as humble as always by comparing yourself to Paul McCartney. So that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but I do have a question. I think I'm Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> So on that note, actually, you said something, and that's kind of like, that's a really interesting point, is that, you know, PHP doesn't exist without either of you or the two of you together. In your just opinion, if you were going to give someone advice as they were preparing to open their own personal training studio, open their own spot, are there any characteristics or anything specific that you would recommend that person work on and really try to embody to help make sure that they can make their studio be as successful as possible as a leader, so to speak. I think the number one thing you have to have is work ethic and an entrepreneurial spirit, right? I would also warn people that if they don't love the business side of things as much as they love the art and science of the craft, that they need to ask themselves the hard questions on what their motivations are, right? Um, you know, my motivation when Michelle and I met was to create a space where we were rubbing elbows with like-minded peers. We thought that was that was absent from the industry. Um, it took us a long time to get there. It took us a while to realize we had to build the peers versus necessarily throw up a flag and just hope that that they come. Right? It's not field of dreams. Right, we just if you build it, they they will come. Doesn't really work that we tried that method for a, a while, led to some you know sleepless nights. Um, but I think work ethic, right? Like, I mean, if you 
you have to love what you're building and you have to be committed to it. Um, and you also have to be resilient enough to accept failures when they happen and humble enough to uh, uh, learn the mistakes that you made and pivot from there. We have pivoted 4,000 times, oftentimes together, oftentimes not, but even when we're not, that brings us back together at a different place. That last part you just said, is that how you would define entrepreneurial spirit? I think it is. I think you have to want to grind for something that you love and believe in and be prepared to pick yourself up 4,000 times. If you are defeated by the first failure that you hit, your business is over before you started. I love it, man. As I see it. I don't know if those are universal truths. That's been, um, that's been my personal constitution that I think has gotten me the, this far. And everyone, this is Johnny Talks, and this is yeah. <laughs> no, I was gonna, and I thought I love that because I mean, the, the thing that you're sharing is you've been doing this for a long time. You've worked really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So you and Michelle, I don't want to just take that away. The two of you have worked hard, and you've had to pivot and figure out what works ultimately, so you can do one, two simple things: use exercise to help people make a living. And you've had to do Correct. that, bouncing back and forth. And I think that that's like the important lesson, like regardless of the titles, regardless of what you do, you really do two things. You've created an opportunity that you can have a family and a life and be stable and have a living doing this, but you do that helping people. And that's what I think is really simple about this whole thing is that all of the pivoting should be down to those two things. Can I make a living? Can I help people? Right. I agree. And I think you touched on something very important there. Michelle and I, as we grew and looked to bring on employees, we even looked at how we evolved ourselves, you know, we really want to, wanted for ourselves, like a mature career, which wasn't something that you aged out of. And we also wanted to provide not a job for people we brought on, but a career path with growth in the, the, the company, within becoming a, a contributor. You know, if, uh, you know, we have probably the best operations manager in the world, a guy named Aaron Westbrook. And he came to us as an intern through our internship program. We hired him. But Aaron comes to us all the time with ideas like, hey, I'd love to do this. We're like, great. We support it. Run with it, right? We want to give him part of the company. We don't try to stifle people and not let them go past us. We want to get behind them and shove them because those, those high tides float all boats, right? So um, we want to create career opportunities it started with ourselves be like, all right, well, I don't want to be the like 60 year old guy who's trying to have a family and vacations and two cars and still trying to model like, you know, beach body workouts to like, or like get ready for the wedding specials for like 26 year olds. Right. I mean, they're, they're not going to hire me for that. So how can we diversify ourselves? How can we go wide and how can we be career oriented people who can work in an industry as long as we choose to, as long as we see fit. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Now to put a pin in today, I got one more thing for you. Oh, sorry. What are you going to say? Exactly. So I just say, so you know, I mean, like I, we, I also deeply admire what you have been doing and watching you come from, you know, Brandon, the, the literally the kid who I met in Oklahoma city. What were you? 19, 19, 18. Was young. Something like that? 19, 20. Young. 
Yeah. So, you know, watching you flourish into what you're do, doing now and you know, your mindfulness and all that, this is, uh, we're all very proud of you. Well, you're too kind, man. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I'm just driven by, I mean, honestly, simple things. Like I said, how can I help people better and right. make a living? And so I'm, I love learning all this stuff, but ultimately what I'm happy about those like humble beginnings is I got to meet amazing people like you and Michelle yep. and the, the concurrent growth, I would say of what I go through and you go through and she goes through and everyone else in this little community. Uh, I think if you're humble enough to watch and pay attention, you really get a chance to learn and see, oh my gosh, Johnny Michelle went from having 48 machines that look like a garage sale to a really clean, cohesive look. Why did they do that? And then have that right. and have that conversation with yourself. So you guys constantly inspire me too. Like I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We try. <laughs> so to be kind of concise here, we'll put a little pin in it, but you, you you're, talking about, you're talking about beach body blitzes and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I think yeah. people need to know that Johnny Cook was like superstar bodybuilder for like a week. <laughs> oh boy. Those were, those were in, in my younger days. So Mr. that America? wasn't really, what's that? Was it Mr. America you got to? No, it was Mr. Illinois. Oh, there you go. Okay. There you go. Mr. Illinois. Yeah, but, uh, that was, that was many moons ago and that was sort of me replaced. So I was a collegiate athlete. Um, and I, I, I got injured and the fire inside kind of went out for, for me and I was doing it to, to achieve different things. And it was time for me to move on. And when I moved on from, from sports, I needed, I still needed something to commit to and to grind on. And I, and I had always been a gym rat and, uh, um, exercise and helped me recover from my injury to continue to, to play. So I just started hitting the gym like crazy when I was finished with baseball and still in college. And uh, people were like, oh, you should do this, this bodybuilding show. I was like, all right. It was a university bodybuilding show. So I did that. And uh, um, a couple of guys I knew from the, the gym kind of helped me diet for it. I didn't know much about all that then. And so I won that. And then I really got into it for a while. Um, won the Mr. Illinois a couple of years later. And then I realized that this um, – this obsessive, rigid lifestyle was also not really for me. I needed something more palatable uh, to exist. So that was the, uh, uh, I walked out like uh, like uh, at the top of my little micro game and then called it a day. So there are some pictures around which give me a little bit, bit of, of this, but you know. Everyone will so find some pictures. We'll find some pictures of Johnny and put them up in the Fitness Pro Mentors Michelle, she probably has some. Oh, I'm totally going to do that right after this. By the way, don't let Michelle uh, hide either. She had also done some bodybuilding shows back in her day. Well, oh, yeah, we'll pull those up too. <laughs> right. And we'll so, go side by side. Johnny, really quick, Brad, For Brad Thorpe's watching. He said, Johnny Cook is amazing doing our photo shoot listening right now. So he's taking pictures of himself hey, Brad. with his shirt off. Hey, Brad. All right, Johnny, man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate every piece of wisdom and perspective that you shared today. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. It was an honor to be on. I'm happy to come back anytime. But let's talk about doing that whole forum. I want to get I want to get proven wrong by McMillan over and over. So let's. Uh... Yeah, I would really love to. I'm going to figure out how to do that with my software. To figure out how I can get a bunch of different people together and have like some group topic. I think that would be a blast yeah. and ridiculous and super informative and crazy at the same time. But first, before that, we'll get you and Michelle on at the same time. I think that'll be awesome. Love to. Cool, man. Everyone, Johnny Cook, check him out. 
Mr. Illinois. Right. Talk to you soon, man. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon.